Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer. This is not just food. This is M&S food. A martini, shaken monster. Of all the gin joints in all the world, she walks into mine. Uh, movies and booze. Uh, in the studio are Fanula Jones and Leslie Williams. Uh, Chris Wasson will be joining us shortly. Uh, he's running a wee bit late because of traffic restrictions, and you can uh, imagine what the reason for those are. So, hello to the two of you. Hi, Hi. As you said. So, t- today, Leslie, it's Spanish wines? Uh, yes, and um, with an uh, interesting um, uh, wine match, I yes. believe. Um, I've just come back from Castilla y León in northern Spain, between about two hours north of Madrid. And um, they are famous for their mushrooms and truffles. So I decided to bring in truffle okay. to try and match the two wines that I brought from Castilla y León. So I have a Bierzo Mencia, um, and I have a, which is from Eastern Castilla y León. And I have a Cantada de Haza uh, Roberto del Duero, uh, which is more from classic Roberto del Duero in, in sort of central uh, part of that part of Spain. Um, and both basically, I, well, I was at this conference and basically we were trying truffles with different wines and these were the two we thought worked best. Okay. What's, so. the, what, what's the best way to eat a truffle? Um, well, you grate it, you brush it clean and then you grate it raw and then you smell it. It's honestly more about the smell than the taste. And okay. It has nothing to do with truffle oil. I'm sorry to break the bubble on this, but oh. truffle oil has no truffle in it. It is only synthetic. <gasps> it is only Does synthetic. Does it have oil in it even? It has oil. But if, yeah. you, if, you put, if I put this truffle into oil and left it, it would more than likely go rancid rather than flavour the oil. Oh, God. You can basically chop up truffles into butter or something and that works and you can freeze them and there are ways of preserving them, but not oil. All truffle oil, ha- it may have some actual truffle, but that's not where the smell and taste are coming from. It's coming from synthetic Recreated, and it's like two smells that are specifically strong. Whereas actual truffle has hundreds and thousands of smells. Uh, yeah, as oh, you'll see, it's quite yeah. delicate, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so, but, but what? So you would you, you would use a grater to grate yeah, the truffle so onto I, something? What would you grate it onto? Okay, so well, uh, this was this truffle. I should or directly I should, onto I should, your toe. Yeah, yeah. Is that <laughs> <laughs> so I should say where I got this from. Um, I couldn't get Spanish truffles. There's very few people bringing them in, but there's lots of Italian truffles, and specifically uh, David Itzo in Bar Italia, uh, which is a great restaurant on the Keys, which I've um, been to many times. He will for fifteen years. You can have black truffle grated onto your carbonara or onto your mm, um, yeah. your cacio e pepe pasta, which they're making in house and so on. And uh, so I called in on the way here, basically. And then, of course, not having brought my truffle with me, I know I should carry my truffle grater. At all with times, me. yeah, find a piece of bread. So called a stock for, yeah. for the grater, um, and then Sheridan's for some um, some uh, good bean cheese because I felt we should have something with it. But okay. having said that, truffle itself doesn't have a huge amount of taste. It's honestly more about the smell. So mm. you just basically have to just sort of absorb yourself in the smell as you're eating it, um, which is why you usually get sort of 10 grams. Okay, nice. Uh, well, that's quite nice. Okay, now people are, uh, no one's going to listen to us for the next hour. They'll be out <laughs> looking for, uh, for truffles uh, to grate and top themselves. Chris has joined us afternoon, Chris. John, uh, now, uh, the two uh, um, wish. Wish. Uh, is that a controversy? Because uh, Olivia was on the Twitter already saying she vehemently disagrees with your yes. opinion about which. Yeah, Olivia was sitting behind me at the screening and she loved it. Um, yeah, she just had a huge smile on her face when she came out, whereas I had, you know, steam coming out of my ears. I was quite annoyed by it. Um, I'll get into the reasons why later on, but okay. it is a Disney animation and it is released and was designed to commemorate 100 years of the, you know, Mickey Mouse house. Um, yeah, so it's going back to those kind of old school right. fairy tales that they used okay. to make. And um, Eileen, uh, the other one. Is, uh, and this is uh, uh, based on the uh, Tessa Mushfi book. Uh, so, and she kind of specialises in these very odd 
cardigan wearing women who yes. are super intelligent and then and, and and lonely and then kill everyone yes or, or, yeah. or think about it it least. is quite yes. disturbing you know uh, the title it, it if you if you see that title you think okay this is a dexy's film but it's not uh it is actually a film about 1960s massachusetts and a prison and there is a lonely person there and there's someone else who comes into her life that you know brightens up her life and then you think everything's going to go well but it's not going to it's all going to end quite quite you know it's all going to be quite grim and hathaway is in it uh yeah two very very different films uh but one of them is a lot better than the other okay Mm, I wonder which one it is. Uh, someone says, I saw Saltburn during the week. It was entertaining, if a bit OTT. But I'm going to commit heresy by asking, isn't Barry Keoghan seriously overrated as an actor? No. <gasps> Every no. film he plays a slightly different version of the same character. A harmless misfit who stares at his co-stars with big cow eyes and speaks with various versions of the same Dublin accent. Even his northern English accent in this collapsed into pure dub more than once. I just find it tiresome and repetitive at this stage, but no doubt there will be cries to give him an Oscar. I don't think he's going to I don't think he's going to be nominated for an Oscar for Saltburn. Saltburn is half a great film by the way. Yeah. The first half is among the best 60 minutes of cinema I've seen this year. It is just so well acted. The story is brilliant. Uh yeah, everyone's in great form. The second part just collapses in on itself. It is a mess. Uh, but I don't agree that Barry Keoghan is is an overrated actor. Maybe he does maybe he is drawn to, you know, kind of uh quirky oddballs. Um, sure. but he's yeah. brilliant at playing them. Mm. Yeah, no, he's not overrated at all. Yeah, of course the thing is like a lot of great actors play the same type of character within certain parameters. They're tweaking it back and forth. That doesn't necessarily mean they're bad. Yeah, or they're all drawn to... But for years there, you know, Killian Murphy was drawn to kind of sci-fi, I suppose. Uh, if you were to pick five actors and you look at their CV over the last 10 years, you'll probably see that they all are drawn to, you know, the same sort of character. So Barry's no... it's no Barry's a great actor. Leave him alone. Yeah. Uh, right now, so even further controversy uh, about the Scream movie. Mm. Uh, someone being dropped because of their opinions over what's happening in Gaza. Yes. Melissa Barrera was fired from Scream 7, which is due out at some point. Uh, she, as you said, she was fired over posts she'd made around the conflict in Israel and Gaza. So Spyglass fired her. They characterise her posts as anti-Semitic. Uh, one post in uh, specifically read, Gaza is currently being treated like a concentration camp, cornering everyone together with nowhere to go, no electricity, no water. People have learned nothing from our histories and just like our histories, people are still silently watching it all happening. This is genocide and ethnic cleansing. Um, she has come out now since and uh, given her first statement, she's condemning anti-Semitism and Islamophobia, condemning hate and prejudice of any kind against any group of people, but has basically said uh, she's Latina, she's uh, Mexican and she says she has a responsibility of having a platform that allows her the priv- privilege of being heard and therefore I've tried to use it to raise awareness about issues I care about and to lend my voice to those in need. Um, I, In some ways I kind of think this could be the making of her because I did not know this person beforehand <laughs> yeah. and now I do. Or she'll never work in Hollywood again. That's the well, only snag. I mean, this, but this is the thing, right? You have Jenna Ortega who starred in the previous iteration, Scream 6, and seems to have gotten kind of... I didn't see it, but if you're a Scream fan, I think... People kind of saw it as a good reboot of the mm. franchise and her, she got a lot of focus. She has now, she's exited the project, right? But there are conflicting sources saying that that decision of her to leave was made months ago, that it was scheduling conflicts with Wednesday, the the Adams Family yeah, series that yeah. she's on, in, uh, on Netflix. But then you have other sources saying that she's left in solidarity with Barrera, but... 
they're kind of in a crisis now. They're in full creative reboot mode. They're looking to try and get past stars back, you know, like Courtney Cox, Neve Campbell, Neve Campbell, who previously wouldn't rejoin the franchise because of issues over pay and stuff mm. like that. Patrick Dempsey is another name being thrown around. So, yeah, this Scream 7 seems to be kind of up in the air as of right now. But in Hollywood in general... Has it got to that point now that if you're critical at all of Israel at the moment, it's automatically branded anti-Semitism? Well, yeah, you've Susan Sarandon was just dropped as well by her agency, I want to say, again, because she's been very vocal about her support support for Palestine. But look, by contrast, right, you have Noah Schnapp, who is the star, one of the stars of uh, Stranger Things. He plays Will. Yeah. Like, he's been seen in videos touting these stickers that say, like, Zionism is sexy and stuff like that. Not seeing similar consequences, like he's not fe- being faced with similar consequences that we're seeing with these particular actors mm, being yeah, pro yeah. Oh, no, the, the, the overwhelming atmosphere is that you have to support Israel yeah. if, if, in yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but I, yeah, I think this is going to, we're not going to hear the last of this. This is going to run oh, on, God. I think. It's also the 30th birthday of Mrs. Doubtfire. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And we're learning a lot about it because Chris Columbus, the director, he spoke to Business Insider and revealing a lot of things about it. There were talks for a sequel. They only kicked off in 2014, the year that Robin Williams unfortunately died. Prior to that, apparently Robin Williams did not want to make a sequel at all. This was around the time, I think there was kind of immediate talks after and Robin was like, absolutely not. And then they picked up the conversation back in 2014 and his only gripe was that, look, like, I'll do it, but I don't want to be in the suit as much because it was so physical for him. Mm. Chris Columbus describes it as, like, running a marathon every day in the Mr. Doubtfire costumes. They were trying to figure out a way that they could do it where he wasn't in drag as much. But then, obviously, he tragically died. Um, but he's basically said now that there's no chance of a Mrs. Doubtfire sequel without Robin Williams, which I think is the correct call. Yeah. But he also said, I loved this tidbit. He Robin Williams improvised so much on set that they recorded 2 million feet of film. So that's the equivalent of 600 kilometres of film just okay. from him. How long is a normal tripping. film then? Does like, anyone know? You know what I mean? It's <laughs> He's basically said 972 boxes of footage and he said like they'd love, at some point, they'd love to make a documentary about the process and yeah, give yeah. insight to how Robin worked and stuff like that, which I just thought was... I don't know, just a testament to his character and his yeah. uh, skill as an actor. You could also cut together a completely different Mrs. Doubtfire uh, and tell a completely different that. story. Yeah. With evil Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Half cut. <laughs> kind of it's thinking of a hangover Mrs. Doubtfire. I kind of don't want to see behind. I mean, part of the magic of Robin Williams is that that was the magic on screen. You don't want to see the stuff that didn't make it. There was a decision made at the time that that wouldn't go into the film. Yeah, So yeah. just stick with that decision, I think. And also part of the uh, reason they couldn't make the Mrs. Doubtfire sequel work, it involved the storyline where he is essentially spying on his youngest kid in college hmm. to make sure that she's okay because apparently her first year in college is not great. But they were like, how can Mrs. Doubtfire hide from her kids when everyone knows who Mrs. Doubtfire is? is yeah. It's a ridiculous idea. I'm glad it never got off the ground. Yeah. Unless they came up with a completely different character. A different costume. Dad's different dressed car- as yet another woman. Yeah. Let's talk about this, Dad. <laughs> uh, right, so truffle me, baby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the, here's the pass-up to Sean, first yeah. of all. Give him some wine. Okay. So, right, so going to smell this do, 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 just smell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You see, mm. that's so subtle in comparison to... Um, to uh, 
to actual truffle oil, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Um, it's, it's quite, it's, I mean, one expression that's often used is feety. <laughs> it, it is a bit feety. But that's okay, but in a nice yeah. way, in kind yeah. of nice feet, pretty like feet. Smell some um, feet, Chris? I'm, I'm good at <laughs> yeah, that. Okay. No, truffles Vanilla? are not my, uh, I, I, I've mm. seen it outside. I've seen it outside. So, I should give Vanilla some wine here. Hold on. Delish. Okay, oh, yeah. thank you. Right, okay, so he's pouring the wine. That's the important thing. Uh, uh, right. Okay, okay so, so just explain what the wine is. First of all, yeah. the, the first wine is from uh, Bierzo, um, which is a region on in eastern Castilla Leon, so almost in Galicia. Um, a little bit warmer than most of Castilla Leon. Castilla Leon is this massive region. It's the biggest region in Europe um, and one of the least populated. It was the most historic part of Spain. I mean, that's where all the castles are. That's where there's like 2,000-year-old viaducts and things. Um, 51% of their of Spain's heritage is in this region. Mm. So I was in Soria for this um, uh, gastronomic conference. So this is one of the wines we tasted with truffles, basically, which I, which we thought really worked. It's um, Brezzo, uh, Gregory de Brezzo, um, Gregory Perez, Brezzo. It's from Sheridan's. It's about 20 euros. Um, I love Mencia. It's all violet-scented and blackberries and sort of juicy. And it's quite a floral wine. And that's mm. why it's going to be in complete contrast to the second wine. Um, um, so um, I just think that the, the sort of floral raspberry flavours and the sort of earthy flavours work really well. I mean, I've had truffles grated onto um, blackcurrant um, chocolate cake and actually it Ooh, worked really yeah. well. I could see how that um, would be nice. and, uh, yeah. yeah, no, so it, 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 and look, it's just, it's just, this is the season, um, as I said, I mean, truffles, um, it's sort of 15th of November is when the Spanish truffle season starts and the Italian somewhat similar. Um, black truffles are the way we're farmed, which is why they're a lot less expensive. Um, so um, white truffles, however, you have to look for them with a with a dog, and that's why they're so expensive. And you're talking, you know, it could be 150 yeah. euros. Don't they do it with grams. pigs sometimes? Yeah, but the pigs, um, unfortunately, will just eat them. <laughs> you can't blame them for that, can you? <laughs> you can you can distract a dog much easier. They're much better yeah. trained. But a, a, a good truffle dog is worth tens of thousands. Um, and there was been there's been incidents of rival truffle hunters poisoning their neighbours' dogs to try and stop them. Crikey. <laughs> yeah, no, it's serious business. This. Yeah. Um, so white truffle is just basically this black truffle with a lot more intensity. Um, and you will start seeing it in, in fine dining restaurants. But also, as I say, Bar Italia is like a regular restaurant. It's like a, you know, pizza pasta restaurant. Mm. Um, very good pizza pasta. Um, and so for 15 euros, you can get some black truffles grated onto your onto How your much, pasta. I, I, like, I, how much... T- do they get truffle well, you get, you get, hunters? Well, you put, oh, uh, per, per, per truffle. I yeah. Mean, well, I mean, okay, so when I was, now, thinking about this, back in 2007, I was there and I paid about 30 euros per 10 grams, right? Which is 3,000 euros a kilo. Okay? Yeah. But these days, it's pretty much quadruple that. <laughs> Drugs are cheaper than that. Oh, totally. Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it depends on the year and depends on, and obviously some auctions are, if there's a really big one or a really unusual one, then that can, you know, sometimes you get a huge one and that'll sell yeah. for a lot more. But the average, I, I've looked, I was trying to look it up. The price varies a lot, but I mean, you're talking, um, yeah, per kilo. I mean, you're talking, uh, I'd say these days, 10, 12,000 euros a kilo. Um, and I could be Crikey. wrong on that, but it, it is, it, it, I would be surprised if it was less than that these days because there is a shortage. And, uh, now we had a quite a warm summer. So that can affect it as well. So sometimes it, good weather can often work, but it depends on how hot it is when they're looking for the truffles. Um, but it's this one little window between November and January, basically, when they can find the, the white truffles. And, and black truffles are a little easier because you can, you can kind of seed trees. And so I actually visited in Soria a, a truffle farm and they have 
had a pig, but he was more for show. He was very cute. Yeah. Um, and the dogs mainly <laughs> were what they were using to, to find the truffles. But we were a little early. Um, they were just a little, we were finding them, but they were, they were saying, no, look, smell that. It's not quite as pungent enough. It needs another couple of days. And that this is in early November. And it needs, this is why we have the 15th of November as the earliest date. So they didn't want to, didn't want to. So, oh, so, wow. But also mushrooms as well. I mean, the mushrooms are a similar kind of, I mean, it is a mushroom. I mean, mm. so, so, so slow cooked seps or porcinis, we call them, um, with, uh, with, with these wines, I think will work as well. And, uh, uh, and this is part of why I was there. They're trying to encourage truffle tourism because our ah, uh, right. mushroom tourism. Okay. Well, it kind of, well, it is something that people do sometimes. They go off on mushroom hunts, um, with, with an organized group, basically. Yeah. And so, um, it was, it was really interesting. And we had these dinners with like, Truffles with half the courses and mushrooms with every course. <laughs> it's it's great. <laughs> great. Mushrooms and truffles. Are. Yeah. Uh, right. Lovely. Uh, yeah. So, Chris, what movie would you like to do? Start with the uh, Disney one. Wish. Okay, we're going to talk about Wish after this. While you're young, you don't know anything really. Whereas it is my responsibility to only grant the wishes I am sure are good for Rosas. So most of these wishes will never be granted. Yet I still protect them like all the others. Can't you just give them back instead? Excuse me? The wishes you're not going to grant, you could just give them back. Then, I don't know, the people can try to pursue them themselves? You know, if they're dangerous, then they can be stopped. But if they're not... You've completely missed the point. People come here because they know they can't make their own dreams come true. The journey is too hard. It is too unfair. They give their wishes to me, willingly, and I make it so they forget their worries. You make it so they forget the most beautiful part of themselves. And they don't know what they're missing. But you do. And now I do. It's not fair. My Saba is good. The people of Rosas are good. They deserve more. I decide what everyone deserves. There you go. Uh, That's Wish. Uh, And and in what way is it a, a commemorative Disney thing? Well, it's supposed to be something of an origin story for the wishing star. You know, when you wish upon a star. Okay, all right. Back to the days of uh, the traditional hand-drawn Disney cartoon. So, 100 years of Disney, why not give audiences a new fairy tale? And why not have Jennifer Lee and the team who um, developed and presented uh, Frozen behind this? I mean, Hmm. that was such an enormous success. So, you're going into it. And I went into it thinking, this is going to be a knockout. Because I, I saw in advance, there's a talking goat. I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> there's like there's breakdancing chickens. <laughs> shut the door behind me. Yeah, and there's a there's a cute grandfather playing, you know, a mandolin. It's like just shine that Oscar and give it to them. Yeah. So I was very optimistic and quite excited going into this. And also, we've seen this thing this year where various studios, DreamWorks, are actually doing it really well. They're um, blending a sort of like pop art and hand-drawn animation with traditional, you know, computer-generated stuff. And they did mm. it for the bad guys, and they did it even better with the last Puss in Boots film, which was way better than it had any right to be. Uh, and again, going into this, we, we heard from Disney, oh, we're going to blend the traditional way with the new way. Um, but it just, something's clearly gone wrong. It's it's almost as though an awful lot of effort went into having the right ingredients, the right, like, let's throw an amazing party, but there has to be some sort of heart. There has to, the story has to be good. And it's the story that lets us down. I'm going to try and just, I'll, I'll be quick about it, but it is a little bit complicated. You have this teenager that you heard there, Ariana DeBose is playing um, Asha, uh, and she lives in the Kingdom of Roses. And the Kingdom of Roses was uh, founded by this sorcerer chap named Magnifico. Mm-hmm. Uh, great name, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, he is voiced by Chris Pine, and he wanted to create a place where everyone could, you know, give him their greatest, give, you know, everyone could live in happiness by giving him... 
your wishes and he'll see about, you know, kind of making them come true. Okay. That to me doesn't sound great, but yeah. Asha is the only one, and you think the whole population would know this, but Asha is the only one that sees this guy's a bit of a dictator and he's taking people's wishes. They actually forget. Now, let's see if I'm getting this right. They forget that they've wished in the first place or they forget uh, what they've wished for. Right. He stores them at the top of his house in bubbles. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and he doesn't let on that basically he's just doing this so that he can have power over all these people. If that doesn't make sense to you, it didn't make sense to me. Okay. So she discovers this. She thinks there has to be another way. She sings to the stars and one of them actually answers. A wishing star comes down and starts granting wishes left, right and center. The sorcerer picks up on this new power and he has to figure out who it is. Right. Okay. That seems... <laughs> Pretty straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a musical as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you have you have the, this case where all of the characters, all of these cartoon characters who often perform as though they're on a Broadway stage. It's very it's very strange to look at. Um explaining the plot in song, that's a bad idea. So Ah uh, yeah, you'd miss that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're having words rhyme that shouldn't rhyme and yeah. it's very knotted and it's a little bit like, wait, 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 go back and do that verse again. I didn't I didn't I <laughs> yeah, didn't get I didn't that. What, what's that. going on? Yeah. Um, and all of that will be forgivable if it was in any way catchy. It's not. I just found the whole thing, it's like all of the pieces are in place. As I said, there's the talking animal, there's the cute great group of friends, there's the, you know, the wicked sorcerer, and there's the teenager we can get behind. There it's a all the all the classic ingredients of a Disney tale. The story Far too complicated. Far too, I don't really know what there. It, there's always a message behind these things. I have no idea what this thing is trying to say to us. Okay. And the the, the one line, it's it's not good enough to have a talking ghost. You saw you look at the talking donkey from 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 Shrek. Yeah. Great one liners. Mm. There's no great one liners here. And I mentioned earlier about the animation. And if it sounds like I'm being hard on this, look, I I usually love their stuff. I'm, but if if it's the team behind Frozen. You're expecting some so much about more. Yeah. The animation, I just thought, look, blending that watercolor with CG must have sounded like a, a nice idea. But every now and then, you remember those, you know, those behind the scenes featurettes that we sometimes used to mm. see on Disney DVDs, and you'd see like a work in progress, and they show you storyboards, and they maybe have a little bit of CG over the storyboards. That's what this thing looks like sometimes. It's not. It doesn't look finished. The black, oh. the backgrounds are all very flat. Yeah, uh, very kind of just, 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 just flat. They don't. There's no life in them whatsoever. And then these really kind of just samey computer generated characters walking around in front of them. It's not good enough. It's not good enough considering the people behind this, the budget, two hundred million dollars, and 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 just that this is one hundred years of Disney. Let's celebrate with this film. Let's not. <laughs> Was there an ah here well, moment for you when you were watching this? Yeah, I hear you should have just, you know, got a better team of writers. (laughs) But it wasn't like the first five minutes were enjoyable and then you went, ah, God, what's going on? No, actually, you know, I got quite excited by uh, um, when someone mentions the ghost, uh, someone says to the goat, I wish you could talk. And I thought, right, here we go. (laughs) The the goat's going to have something funny to say. The goat gets his voice and has nothing funny to say. He just kind of walks God around. Sake, what's the point of a talking goat? What's the point of a talking goat? What's the point of break dancing chickens if they're not going to make me laugh? Yeah. yeah. Okay, Very that is a disappointment. Yeah. 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 So now, it, kind of what age group is this aimed at? Very young, actually. But then again, so was Frozen. And Frozen was just so clever, um, so sweet, incredibly moving. Um, I just didn't get that from this. It is, it's a lovely voice cast. And I'm sure Chris Pine another day might be able to, to, to voice a, a, a great villain, mm. but not in this thing. So I can understand there's an awful lot of goodwill behind this. And, you know, it, it, it is well intentioned. And I can understand that they, they are trying to create a new Disney fairy tale. But to create a new fairy tale, you can't just recycle all of the old, old ideas yeah. from the other ones. Yeah. Any good songs in it, even? Uh, well, I can't remember anything. So. Yeah, so there you go. Grasping yeah. at straws there, uh, must be said. Uh, I don't know. This is a kind of a general question. Brian wants to know, why is Jamie Lynn Spears doing I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, when she should be in America for Thanksgiving? 
Money, babes. Yeah. Money. And also damage control post Britney's book. Like, she doesn't come across well in it at all, despite how Britney kind of references at the end that she's trying to make amends with her, her mom and her sister. But yeah. It's damage control. And, like, again, money. I'd say they offered her probably nearly close to what they offered Nigel Farage, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. crikey. Uh, and Richard the Thatcher says, you can imagine foodies in fine dining restaurants sneaking off to the loo to do lines of white truffle. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably. Totally. If they could afford it. Yeah. Uh, now, we did have this fella on, uh, Eric, uh, who was uh, one of the, uh, an Irish contestants Roberts, in Squid yes. Game. Yeah. Uh, um, but half them are, well, I don't know half of them, but some of them are actually suing now, the makers well, of this. they're threatening to sue. Yeah, there's two contestants from Squid Game, The Challenge, which is, as he talked about this week, it was, it's a reality show based off of the actual show in which they do the challenges, which are in the show to compete for like loads and loads of money. I think the most money ever in a reality TV show. But yeah, there's two uh, contestants in the UK uh, threatening legal action. They're saying they suffered hypothermia and nerve damage while shooting in the UK. Um, saying that basically it was a part of the opening game so it was red light, mm. green light it's the one where they're trying to not be seen by the robot um, so yeah but like I mean a spokesperson for Squid Game the Challenge has come out and said that no lawsuit has been filed by any of the Squid Game contestants we take the welfare of our contestants extremely seriously I know there was an independent like safety check done in advance of it will this go anywhere I'm not sure yeah what's no because he said that in the, on the red light, green light there were eight hours playing it like that's just like it was move freeze for 40 minutes odd and then you had to move again freeze for another 40 minutes and that there was no break yeah you couldn't go to the toilet you didn't get a sandwich halfway through you were kind of eight hours at yeah. this stuff wow. so you can I'm, see how you might get nerve nerve yeah. from that I just it was the whole point of Squid Game not to be a take on like capitalism is bad and then Netflix said you know what let's <laughs> we'll just forget no. that we'll, Actually, be, we'll just make the monkeys run it's not that bad it that's not bad. essentially what they were uh, uh, what they were saying and uh, there does seem to be a lot of uh, high profile sexual assault uh, lawsuits uh, popping along at the moment. Is there an actual legal reason for that? Yes, there is. So we've seen, uh, there's another lawsuit filed against uh, Diddy this week, Sean Combs, yeah. after he just settled with the singer Cassie. Um, there's another one been filed against Jamie Foxx. And I know, again, when these lawsuits tend to come out, you have the people who come out and be like, why now? Well, this is why. Um, they've all been filed under New York's uh, Adult Survivors Act, which has opened a one-year look-back period uh, during which civil claims that would have otherwise been barred by the statute of limitations could be filed. So that's why we're seeing okay. so yeah. many of them now. Uh, as I said, uh, there's a new lawsuit filed against Sean Combs, a.k.a. Diddy. He's being accused of sexually assaulting a woman uh, in the 90s. Mentioned Jamie Foxx. There's another one against Cuba Gooding Jr., who previously faced charges in 2019 over groping or forcibly kissing three women. Uh, that ended with him pleading guilty, but he didn't end up serving jail time. Two of the accusers now are taking him to court. So, yeah, I, the window is closed now, so we won't be seeing any more. But any more. Again, the- I thought it was, I think it's in, uh, interesting is the wrong word, but I think it's important to kind of highlight why these things are being filed. Because again, you do have the people come out and be like, why now? Why are they talking now? It's because they have a window and an opportunity to to do it yeah okay you are listening to the Moncrief show on News Talk more movies and booze after this Uh, right so let's move on to our second uh, movie of the day it is Eileen here's a clip to Eileen my Christmas saviour saviour I didn't do anything well you being a friend that's everything cheers (laughs) god that's awful no it's a Punch of flavor, that's what a Syrah is. We haven't spent too much on it. Oh. 
to to Jesus Christ. Happy birthday. <sighs> mm. Do you live here alone? No. Oh, uh, sure. I, uh, no, I can't have roommates. I, um, <clears throat> I like my own space. I still like to have fun, and, uh, I can make a lot of noise, and, um, I can make a mess, as you can see, but, uh, I can play music as loud as I want to. I can, I can scream as loud as I want to. Yeah, nothing sinister about that uh, <laughs> at all. Uh, so is, is that scene set on Christmas Day? Christmas Eve, yeah. Yeah, Christmas Eve, right. Yeah, we're a million miles away from Disney now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is from a, um, a director named William Oldroyd who gave us Lady Macbeth, which was the film that Florence okay. Pugh broke out of. Mm. Um, wonderful film. And actually, he hasn't directed anything in the last seven or eight years. And as you said at the top, it's a, it is based on uh, an acclaimed novel that was nominated uh, for the Booker Prize. And you also have the author of that novel, Otessa uh, Moshve, who is adapting her own novel uh, with her writer husband. Um, so it's going to obviously then stick very closely mm. to the source material. Um, but you have two great performers. You've got Thomas and McKenzie and Anne Hathaway, who you heard there. Uh, Thomas and McKenzie is playing Eileen Dunlop. She's 24 years of age. Uh, it's the 1960s in Massachusetts. Um, it's a particularly, you know, wet and grim December. And she just doesn't really have much of a life. She's, you know, barely existing. At home, she is just... You know, she has to look after her dad, who's an ex-cop, and he's just a nasty piece of work. He just sits around all day waiting for Eileen to come home and give him a bottle of gin. He's actually played by Shay uh, Shay Wiggum, a uh, wonderful character actor. He played um, Nookie Thompson's brother in Boardwalk Empire. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, great, great fella. Um, not in this though. Um, <laughs> and then uh, when Eileen works, she actually works at a juvenile correctional facility, and she just spends like eight hours a day being made fun of by her colleagues because she's you know a loner. She's a bit of an oddball. She stares out the window at one particular prisoner. Uh, if she's not doing that, she's fantasizing about the prison guard. She's very, very lonely. Um, and a new prison psychologist comes along and that might change everything. She, uh, it's, This character, Rebecca, is portrayed by Anne Hathaway. Rebecca looks like a cross between Marilyn Monroe and Annie Marilyn Monroe picture and Janet Leigh from Psycho. Um, and actually, Otessa and also the director, William, has said that they were going for a Hitchcock sort of flavour mm. that they had actually looked at Rebecca beforehand and said let's do something like that and she's everything Eileen wants to be you know she's clever she's confident she's quite glamorous and she befriends Eileen and just you know she's although Eileen is initially you know drawn to the glamour uh, it's the kindness that leaves a mark and it's the, the the confidence that Rebecca instills in her and she begins to think you know I might have a future for myself I can go to New York I can make something of myself but then as you hear in that clip and I'm not going to give anything away Eileen is invited over to Rebecca's house for a Christmas Eve drink. Something very wrong happens in that house. Mm. And it just all goes sideways sideways for poor Eileen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and very tense. Very tense. Uh, it's it's grim. It's icky. It's chilling. It just, it works very hard to get under your skin. And it succeeded with me. Um but it's it's brilliant. It's it's quite playful at times. Uh, darkly funny, which I love. I mean, you got yeah, a little bit of yeah. the, the taste of the absurdness there. Um, brilliantly performed. I thought Thomas and McKenzie, um, who's just been fantastic since Leave No Trace, also showed up in Jojo Rabbit, was in the last Edgar Wright film. Just brilliant. One of yeah. the, one of one of the best actresses working at the minute, and also Anne Hathaway, the best I've seen her in ages. 
Because okay, her CV over the last five years, it's been a little bit patchy. Yeah. Um, but she is fantastic here, enjoying just, again, the absurdity of the material. Um, and the, the, the chemistry between them at times is wonderful because, you know, although they do have a friendship, one of the characters wants it to be a little bit more than that. And it is believable. They have that energy and chemistry between them. Um, so brilliantly plotted, nicely acted, wonderful to look at. Uh, you know, it is, it does, look, it's, it's quite grainy. It comes mm. with the old school um, universal logos in front of it. You know, William Aldroyd, he knows what he's doing here. He is trying to make his own little Hitchcockian thriller. Um, don't let it pass you by because yeah. it's a very small film and it's there's probably nothing about it at the minute. At the, I, I, yeah. that maybe that's yeah. a result of the, of the strike literally just ending. Um, but don't let it pass you by. Yeah. Is it in cinemas? It's going to be in cinemas, yes. Yeah. And, and will it be on a streamer in the next five minutes kind of? Uh, probably, I'd imagine. But uh, try and watch it on a big screen if you can. Yeah. yeah. It is wonderful to look at. I'm thinking Christmas Day movie for this. Listen, <laughs> you know what? I can see this ending up on a lighthouse or palace uh, 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 Christmas season in, in about five years time it's like yeah. this will be a weird Christmas classic okay yeah and uh, Wish I assume is in cinemas as well yes but yeah, probably yeah. will be on huge wide release yeah. will be on the, the Disney app probably before Christmas uh, I wouldn't say so uh, oh, I, right, I, think okay. I think they're banking on this to maybe make some money so it's going to be in cinemas for a while it's yeah. a new year new year yeah. Disney Plus okay uh, another, yet another exciting remake opportunity. Eddie Murphy's back as Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop, baby. Would it be not it's Beverly Hills back. Croc at this stage mm, of the game? Yeah, very Man good. in a wheelchair fights crime. Beverly Hills Cop, Axel Foley. It's coming next year. We don't have an official release date yet, but it's coming to Netflix. Eddie Murphy is back reprising his role. Uh, we have Jerry Bruckheimer back producing. A lot of other familiar faces. Judge Reinhold, Paul Reiser, Branson Pichot. Uh, apparently Murphy's in pri- like in prime form according to Bruckheimer says anytime he walks on set you never know what you're going to get and it's always brilliant every day he's there it throws you back to the 80s the plot as of right now at the film's directed by Mark Malloy um, it's kind of picking up where his character would be today so Taylor mm. Page is playing his daughter who's a criminal defence attorney uh, pulls him into this case and he's causing he ends up causing issues uh, for people there he's a new partner played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, yeah, coming next year. As I said, we don't have a date yet, but okay. watch this space. We shall see. And our second wine, Leslie. So, Tell us um, about it. Okay, so we're still in Castilla Leon. Um, yeah. I'm just a quick recap on the first one. Brett, so uh, Mencia and available in Sheridan's, but also McCurtain wine cellar in Cork and just independence, but made yeah. in Sheridan's. Right, so second wine is a, is a contrast because this is from much more high altitude um, uh, Castilla Leon. You're, you're talking a thousand metres above sea level, 800 metres above sea level, which is about the highest level you can grow grapes at in, in this part of the world. Um, Nine months of winter, three months of hell, they talk about. Um, they get literally, uh, when it was snowing pretty much, well, when I was there in April one time, last two weeks ago, it was really much colder than here, you know. So, oh, right, um, right. so um, yeah, you're, you're, so it, what that gives you, though, is really hot summer days and really cold nights. Okay, so the grapes start ripening and get lovely thick skins in the daytime. Nighttime, they stop ripening because the weather goes down to four degrees and so on. So the second one is Condado de Haza, Roberto del Duero, um, which I got from I-19 Wines, uh, James Rogers. Um, it's available in mainly independents. Um, I mean, Matson's and Cork have it as well. Nicholson's bring it in as well, but uh, but James is the main, is the supplier for the Republic of Ireland. So uh, Vintry, Redmond's, Devonese, Higgins, Justivine, Nolan's, Martin's, Hole in the Wall, Bagot Street Wines. So all good independents basically in Dublin have it. And the reason they all have it is because it's an absolute stone cold classic. This is um, Alejandro Fernandez who created this wine um, uh, it was first it was Pescara and then mm. it was this and that basically revamped this whole region the whole region was moribund there was a co-op making mediocre wine as he says the co-op is great called Protoss um, but uh, there was one icon wine uh, Vega Sicilia but that was making using Cabernet not Tempranillo or Tinto del Peix as they call it here um, and so basically they, these dense 
ripe, juicy flavours. And now it's basically the most interesting wine region in Spain. Yeah. Pingus will sit you back 500 euros a bottle. Um, really? Yeah, no, there's, yeah. There's, there's really high-end icon wines there. I mean, and it's extraordinary. And this is still, I think, remarkable value. It's sort of 25 euro. So I, if you have a smell of the truffle there. Yeah. Uh, no, honestly, Horror. I think that there's, there's, a, sort of, there's a high, there's a, the high mm, notes in peach. that. Yeah. And you get that kind of similar high floral note that's sort of um, mixed with licorice and earthy notes, mm, which yeah. I think really I know, do kind of I'm work together that. in that. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. Yeah, because sometimes I find a Tempranillo or a mm. Ribeiro can be a bit of a blunt instrument, but the, that's be. that's Is that's it? got the kind of beefiness, but yeah. the subtlety it's in a bit it of as well. And it, it, yeah. It's the Crianza, it's 25 euros or so. Now, Bixera is a bit more, Prescurby, but 31 but I think this is just a lovely example of it. Um, and um, um, it's just, this region is really interesting. I mean, I've been on holidays there last year um, uh, to Bayadalid, um and we were drinking Roberto Duero and we were drinking Gadeo from Bierzo, which is the other grape they grow. And then we were drinking um, lots of Mencia and it was not expensive, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, yeah, I love this part of Spain. Sorry. Yes, lovely lovely stuff. stuff. Well done, Leslie. Uh, thanks uh, to Fanula and Chris and Leslie because uh, that's our lot. Uh, for today. Kieran's up next on News Talk, our production team today. Sean Reedy, Simon Tierney, Michael Quilligan, and Ashling Moore. Keep safe, hug your kids, have a nice weekend. Movies and booze on Moncrief. With Marks and Spencer. This is not just food, this is MS food. A martini, shaken monster. Of all the gin joints in all the world, she walks into mine. <laughs>